Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hurts Podcast for February 24th of 2019. I'm Ryan Wilson, Penguins writer for HockeyBuzz.com. I'm Cameron Walsh for HockeyHits.com. This week on the podcast, we will recap the stadium series game between Pittsburgh and Philadelphia that certainly uh, wasn't short of interesting moments. Uh, Flyers comeback victory, uh, some injuries along the way. What that Streaking, means. streaking, streaking. Gritty. I love Gritty. <laughs> so do I. <laughs> that was perfect. Um, gritty streaking, yes. Maybe we'll talk more about Gritty and how he... Uh, I'm just glad he didn't Owen Hart himself there. No offense to the Hart family, but um, yeah. you get worried anytime uh, you're putting someone that high up on uh, fasten to whatever they fasten it to. So Correct. Uh, Gritty survived uh, long enough to get in trouble, got kicked out, <laughs> tweeted about it. So um, that, was that was probably my favorite part of the game because if you're Pittsburgh, there wasn't much else to – to really be thrilled about. Um, and, of course, Monday, tomorrow, 24 hours from now, the trade deadline will have come and gone. And um, throughout the course of this podcast, if you hear noises, that is the trade winds brewing in the background here. Um, no, we're just having 60 to 70 mile an hour windstorm at the moment. So, um, yeah, if you hear that, that's what that is. Can't do nothing about Mother Nature and global warming, sorry. Nope, 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 nope. So we, we will go over um, some of the trades that have happened with Ottawa, and we will certainly talk about players that have not been traded, and maybe speculate on some other names uh, that are on uh, the maybe moving list. So uh, without further ado, the, the game last night, for me, number one story Pittsburgh lost their top pairing due to injury all in one sequence. That was, I think, the most um, devastating part. You're watching the game, and it's like, oh, Dumoulin's down. Just get up. Just get up. Oh, the Tang got into a scuffle after it. Please don't get hit. Please don't get hit. Then you hear that they're done. Then you hear they're done for the game. Then you hear after the game that one has a concussion and one has an upper body injury, and you just sit there and go, oh, my God. Of all the people that they could afford to lose. Like, this team got along without Malkin. It gets along without Kessel Primer. You don't get along without your top-pairing defenseman. I don't think anyone across the league can do that over a sustained period of time. Maybe, so, maybe Nashville, but you're really pulling at some... Well, even Tampa would struggle if they lost their top-pairing. So, it's... it's Yeah, it, this was a consequential game on a lot of levels, that being the highest of them all. And the sequence that led to the injuries had Wayne Simmons with um, a high hit. It caught Dumoulin's head, thus being concussed. Uh, I do not think he was head hunting on that. No, but he got him high. That's, he did. That's the, the, yeah, and that's the thing. He wasn't he wasn't going after him. He wasn't trying to destroy Dumoulin's noggin. It just happened that he got him high, and it was the principal point of contact. So... The worst thing for that hit is that I think Dumoulin's head not only got jammed against the glass, but it rattled against the glass and the shoulder pad a couple of times. So, like, of all the situations to be in, if you're uh, if you're the player being hit, that's the worst for a concussion. I mean, that's that's where concussions come from, is the brain rattling against the skull. That's just, uh, yeah, that's just bad. I mean, he should get suspended for a couple of games for that because he wasn't headhunting. 
and he doesn't really have a history of doing such things. So it'll be curious to see how it all pans out. I was kind of thankful because it means I'm hoping that the Penguins go, we can't have him in the room. <laughs> yeah, uh, I did write about that the other day. Rutherford uh, is making the toughness comments again. So I, yeah, I was connecting the dots to Wayne Simmons, but uh, injuring Brian Dumoulin and indirectly causing Chris Letang to be out. Um, yeah, probably puts a kibosh on that, which is uh, good Good for the Penguins. That would not have been a good use of their first-round pick, I do not believe. Um, now, in our league, you know, onus would be on the hitter, even if the intent wasn't there, because um, Simmons was sloppy. He could have kept himself lower there. Um, I do not believe he's being suspended. I think they ruled out a phone call. I, I don't understand that. I legitimately um, don't understand that. So, you know, unfortunate hit. I don't think there was malice uh, in the sense of... Oh, no, not at all. Absolutely um, right. But it doesn't change the fact Dumoulin's concussed. Now, what I do worry about is Chris Letang. I, I have a <laughs> feeling Dumoulin will be back sooner than Letang just because Yep. the Letang upper body injury... It's either a shoulder, which is, is could be very bad in long term. I don't think it was an elbow or a wrist. Uh, but the other option, and I would rule out concussion because Pittsburgh, generally speaking, does a good job of releasing, hey, this player's got a concussion. Yeah, that's true. They have a good history there. And they did not say that with him. So that leaves the neck. Oh, wait a second. That's why he oh, missed darn. the 2017 playoffs with neck surgery. And... Some people might be upset with my take on this, but um, I'm taking Latang's entire entire career into perspective here. He spazzed out again. He did, absolutely he did. He lost his he lost his shit. There's no two ways he about it. He tried to go after Simmons and and Ghost Ghost Despair intercepted him and 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 took him down really hard. Um, it was an over the top situation. Uh, it, like, if Latang doesn't make a beeline to Simmons, that doesn't happen. Yeah. But that's nah, something he, that Latang has done over and over again. He lets the emotions get to him, much like with Malkin. We and, do have two hotheads. <laughs> so, while, you know, you don't want to see that, you know, you got to... You created a chaotic situation by going after somebody, and chaos happened. And I really hope it's not a bad long-term injury because he's having an awesome season but yeah completely avoidable absolutely i mean it, it there's stick it up for your teammate and then there's and then there's doing what latang and malcolm do as a rule and it's just a shame that two of the spazoist players on the team are inside their top three players that are required to be on the ice you know malcolm does hurt this team occasionally by getting in the penalty box at, you know, inopportune times. Latang was going to be in the penalty box there. You know, he, he wasn't because he was out the rest of the game. And, you know, for a player that almost plays 30 minutes a night, that's going to be tough to fill, even when Dumoulin comes back, because he's going to end up being paired with Jack Johnson. Yeah. Um, so this, this has some catastrophic potential. Absolutely. I hadn't even considered the upper body injury being his neck. I'd considered it being shoulder, wrist. I'd even thought of the elbow. So, 
you sit there and you say that, and it's like, oh my god. I mean, look at look at, very at what Gasses Bear did. It was kind of a WWE move. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, um, and, and Ghost did exactly what he should do: get in there and and, and stop the attack. Like Latang was the aggressor. Latang set it all off. It's just the way it is. It, it's so stupid that hockey culture breeds this stupidity. You yeah. Know? Uh, yeah. And the team just cannot afford to lose Latang, and it would be really frustrating to see that kind of thing happen to, to be the reason that it it did happen. And unlike 2017, um, I don't I don't see a Matt Murray or, or Flurry, for that matter, playing at that level heading into the playoffs to carry a Latangless team anywhere. No, it, it like Murray came back after his injury and was lights out. It feels like he's starting to that or, that that third goal was horseshit. Yeah. Well, then so was and, and and Murray said as much. I mean, that was a really bad goal. And I gotta say, Matt Cullen, great penalty there. Good timing on that. Um, you know, <laughs> it's just they let the door open and 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 it really took away from the four defensemen who did an awesome job. They were all over 50% possession, despite being up two goals. That's incredible with score effects and only having four defensemen, and Philly should have been able to wear them down. But uh, to a man, including Jack Johnson, they did a really nice job, and it got erased like so quick. Well, and that's that's where goaltending can... Submarine, good teams. And if we get time, we'll get to the Sharks and exactly that kind of topic. But that's what happens. Like, you know, Fleury copped a lot of garbage for that kind of stuff over a couple of years where expectations with Pittsburgh were high. This is obviously just a one-game sample. It's not a playoff series, that sort of stuff. But that's where goaltending just needs to be league average, and league average makes those saves. So that's where it gets And he has been league tough. average or slightly above this year, even with the rocky start. So I don't want to make too much of it, but they lost a point because he couldn't stop a shot from the boards. That's And that's the thing with his hot streak post-return. It dragged him back to league average because he was nowhere near it. Like, it's been a, a tale of two seasons for Murray. And with these injuries... He kind of can't afford to drop back to league average now. He needs to be better than that. Like you said, it needs to be the, the post-Latang injury 2017 goaltending, not league average because your team in front of you is awesome style goaltending. So last part about the game. Uh, I think there's an argument to be had that that was uh, Claude Giroux's crowning moment as a flyer. <laughs> You're never, ever, ever going to let that slide. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm being half-serious. Yeah. Like, that's a big um, primetime, like, whole hockey world watching moment. Overtime win, home, football stadium, uh, chief rival Penguins. I know the 2011-12 series, for sure, um, would be up there as well. But it's been a, the Giroux era in Philadelphia never got traction. Not his fault. Uh, you know, GMs and decision makers and goalies have screwed him over. But you could argue that that was like the crowning like uh, victory moment of the Giroux era because there really hasn't been much. 
You see, so this is this is the thing that feels really weird for me with I talk, uh, with the NHL and the NBA. There's 82 games in the year, right? It feels like the season just rolls along, and there aren't really any important games until you hit the last 20, unless you get these style of games where they're a big event style of game. I didn't really feel like this was one of those games. Like, it feels like everybody's reputation is built. It wasn't until the the 2D go down. (laughs) Yeah, but it does, it just, these games just don't feel like, and maybe it's because I'm all the way over here, and you just don't get the media buildup of the coverage leading into the games. I I didn't even get much of that. I mean, obviously the Pittsburgh and Philadelphia, but um, league-wide, I don't think there was a ton of... Like, everybody yeah. likes the, the Penguins and Flyer games, especially in like when they primetime them. Uh, but, you know, the outdoor thing, I think, has been a good thing for the NHL. But you are battling interest fatigue because uh, they've really saturated the market with them. So, Well, how do you, well, yeah, I mean, hopefully the Dallas game next year changes that because, you know, the, those two teams that were just in this one, it, it's not going to include Chicago. Those sorts of things will help uh, raise some interest in in, in the next outdoor game. Um, but yeah, I just because you sit there and you you're saying you know it, you're right. It was a prime time moment for Giroux to show that Giroux is as good as everybody says he is. Which oh he is you know, exactly. He had a few no, no, crappy no, exactly. years though leading up to last year was a huge bounce back year. Yeah, Giroux was struggling at five on five the previous two years. And uh, well, I was really thinking, like, he was done, but he but he's bounced back in a big way. Um, the only thing I felt bad for him last night was the torch was being passed to Crosby, but since it was raining out, it it, it extinguished the torch, so it never got passed. That's too I bad. Give that guy, he has never deleted that tweet. <laughs> yeah, but it, it sucks because the rain, you know? Damn. <laughs> bad luck. Oh, well. Anyways. <clears throat> moving moving on. So, Pittsburgh's got 24 hours to figure out how serious... I mean, the concussion, we, we all know, is... Um, can't really put timelines on. But as far as Latang's injury, you know, he, he better be getting a diagnosis or checked out thoroughly, like last night and today, which I don't doubt for a second that they are, because if he's out, they got to do something. They have a first-round pick. That can get you a little bit. Yeah, but do you have to... Now, with Martyr out as well, that provides them with some cap space, right? Yeah, they're going to Patrick Kane that situation, I think, for sure. So that's $4 million in cap space. And that's right. not even without what they trade out the door. Well, that, that and that was sort of where I was, where I was headed. Now... So Mark Stone, everybody... No. <laughs> um, okay. So, so right defenseman. There aren't many out there because it's no. deadline time. But I was watching Hockey Night in Canada. I was watching uh, Toronto, as I do. And they were playing Montreal. And during, um, not the coach's corner, the the one with the Elliot inside. The one that's actually whatever. worth watching. Yeah. As long as Kiprios isn't talking. Um <laughs> They were going over Brandon Montour of the Ducks and how since Bob Murray's taken over the coaching duties, this ice time has dropped significantly. Now, when a player's ice time drops, 
due to a coach, you could always be like, well, maybe the coach doesn't like it, but maybe the GM does. <laughs> well, when they're one and the same ah. person, uh, <laughs> yes, that should raise a red flag. And I do think he's in that range of a first-round pick compensation at the deadline where it might not even be a bad move even if the Penguins get Latang back. Because they've been chasing a third-line right defenseman all year long. They've been having people play uh, the wrong side all year with Chad Ruedel sitting there. It's made no sense to me. No, and and he's I, been fine he, since they've played yeah. him the last few games. So he's um, played his way into the lineup, as far as I'm concerned. But without Latang, you can't have Schultz, Ruedel, and some dude on his off wing because, you know. <laughs> yep. That's not gonna. That's not gonna work. So, I do think Montour is gonna be something that somebody they look at, and they're gonna have to make a choice really soon on that. I think that's one direction they could go. If Latang's healthy, hopefully, you know, I do think they need left wing help as well. I, Tanner Pearson's not doing it. They don't seem to like uh, Dominic Simone anymore. I don't get it. I don't know why he and Bluger are the ones scratched. Oh, the, the Bluger thing is absolutely mystifying me. He has proven that he is at least a fourth-line centre, if not a player that can go fourth, third line, even second line on the wing. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. he's proven that he's got hands. He's proven that he knows where to go and be. Why he sits is absolutely baffling to me. It'll literally be no experience. Yeah, so if Simone's not playing... Pearson's not playing well. You've got some holes on that left wing. Um, so player like Marcus Johansson, uh, you got to really think about who's who's been playing uh, better now that he's healthy. Showed off his skills against Pittsburgh the uh, the last time they played the Devils. Had uh, at least a few points. Had that nice backhand roof goal. Yes. Um, that, that was actually but really with, with the defense situation what it is um you know you can't really look at the the forward end of things right now so for pittsburgh it will be an interesting 24 hours to see what happens what do you sorry do you trust the process of a couple of years ago where they went speed and skill this is as a collective management group which I'm assuming they sit down and they talk about where they, what direction I think they should go. Do you trust the group think, which appeared to be speed and skill, let's trust that process, or, and I think I know what the answer to this is, or are they just going to go with the GM's gut? Well, it's always the latter. It's, it, it's all about him, and it always is about him. He plays the folksy grandpa but he works the media over in Pittsburgh like no other. Makes himself, quote-unquote, available, so he gets preferential treatment and all the stories that are run. And as soon as, like, one of his... Like, it took somebody along the lines of Jack Johnson to be that obvious of a a faux pas in a a move to where, like, even the people that are, like, very pro-Rutherford are like, dude, come on, this this isn't (laughs) working, man. And, and And he blows up. Because he's not used to it. Carolina certainly, you know, not going to give him shit. And we talked, you know, I don't want to rehash this. We talked about this on the yeah, last podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, he does whatever he wants. This whole Penguins era is about him. There's no um, looking to the future. 
Like it is now and fuck the future. Yeah. And and, and uh, we're there now, so you gotta roll with it no matter no matter what. But um yeah. you know, I don't like the toughness comments coming out the other day because you know, Malkin and Crosby, quite frankly, they bring a lot of it on themselves. The way Malkin plays, he he attracts a negative attention because he, he dishes out as much as he receives. Crosby was swinging punches from the side of a, a that, that scrum before Haley got to him. Yeah. So, like, yeah, yeah you want to talk toughness, maybe they shouldn't be doing those things. I know people don't want to hear that, but... You know, what goes around comes around, and I would rather they just focus on, you know, playing because that's when they're at their best. So combine that with what happened to Tumalin and Latang, who knows? But um, <laughs> I would hope that they, they stay the course with the speed and skill stuff. We'll see. Um, problems for them include second wild card with Tampa, I don't think we need to elaborate on that. No. <laughs> that would be a terrible first-round matchup. Fun to watch, but probably not going to end well for the Penguins. Uh, but the Columbus Blue Jackets are saying, fuck it, we are all in uh, getting Duchesne and Dezingle from Ottawa. I just find it interesting that it didn't all happen in one trade. Yeah, right? <laughs> it's like a it few hours been, removed. Yeah, it would have been a great, massive, one big trade, but... Does, does this mean, like, they're obviously just going to keep Panarin and they're just going to go, aren't they? And, Bob, they, they're just going to keep them both, they're going to lose them at the end, and they're just going to push it out and just go hell for leather and pray they get out of that first round. Unless somebody comes strong with a, a Panarin offer that meets short-term and long-term needs, yeah, I do think they're prepared to just ride it out. I, and you know what? I don't mind that for that franchise. Yeah, I mean, it's, <clears throat> pardon me, it's tough because going all in on a Stanley Cup, the odds aren't great for anybody to do that. Yeah. But I will say the Metro does look like a, a yard sale uh, this year compared to other years. I mean, you could almost, like, you could go, we can win two rounds, get ourselves to the conference finals. And with what Columbus has gone through, I think the fans will consider that a success. And as a management group, you're probably going to get away with the fans not being as harsh on you for letting them walk for zero. Mm -hmm. If it comes to that, if they go not out in the first round, then everybody in hindsight is just going to say, you morons. So just go for it. Well, here's the consequence of going for it. If they do not intend on moving Panarin and or Bob. From Ryan Pike. Columbus, no first, second this year in the draft. No first, second, third in 2020. No second in 2021. And considering that all the mathematics say it's volume after the first round, more so than quality, um, lack of picks could be problematic. Especially when you look at it as in Panarin and Bob aren't re-signing there. Yeah, yeah, you lose a massive Panarin's chunk of why you've been successful. Loss. He's a great player. Um, what if Duchesne doesn't re-sign? And if he does re-sign, I think the compensation bumps up to another first. 
or something like that. I hate those but deals. There's a lot of asterisks I, I, I on I do that. not like the fact that teams can say, well, if they re-sign with you, we get more. The fuck all that. That shouldn't even be a legal thing. It should just be you trade the player and then – because it's just another quasi-way that teams have control over a player's uh, destinations. Because yeah. with the Zuccarello trade – it's um they got to win two rounds and if uh, Zuccarello resigns it's like a first round pick. Well, Dallas isn't gonna resign him for a first round pick. So even if Zuccarello likes Dallas, that he can't stay there because Dallas is probably gonna be like, nah, we're good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I had so actually I don't, I don't like thought that. about it in that context. Yeah, I don't like it. I think, and I remember this going way back to like when Keith Kachuk got traded to like the Thrashers or something. And if he get re-signed in St. Louis, the Thrashers would get a pick back. It's once you trade the player, it should be that's you. That's it. You don't. Yeah, I get what you mean. You really don't have rights. The contract is gone. So, so I, w- I would like to get him, rid of those. But anyways, it looks so weird seeing him in a, a green jersey. <laughs> Ar- already has an assist today on a primary assist. Set up a breakaway for Faxa. Radic. So. Um, Immediate dividends already. Zuccarello is a great player. Um, he is, and uh, would have would have been uh, left wing help for that I was talking about in, in Pittsburgh. But something tells me it would have cost the Penguins more than the Stars. I, I do find it amusing that teams won't trade in division in conference as often as it seems like it would be beneficial for those teams at that time. Right. It's bizarre. It, it, it's it's a hockey culture thing. You don't really see that much of that in uh, other sports. It, it just seems to be this one um, that thinks along those lines. So, and then Washington made a couple depth moves. One I like more than the other. Um, Nick Jensen, the Detroit uh, defenseman, middle pairing D man, but he'll be on the the bottom pairing because of Carlson and Niskanen. And then they got Carl Hagelin, um, which, you know, if Carl Hagelin's on the fourth or third line as a rental, it's bumping somebody else that's not as good out. That's that's a fine win-now move for the Capitals yeah. who want to go back-to-back. Plus, you know, that, that speed does cause issues. He is a good possession player. Uh, I don't know where the hell the offense went. It's gone, but he's he can serve a purpose in a limited role still. Um, but Nick Jensen, and they already resigned him. That's a really good price point they got on him for four years. Uh, good, very good signing, very good trade. That, that screams a t- of a, a team realizing they had a hole somewhere, understanding their cap situation, and scouring the league to try and find somebody that fits them stylistically, how they play, and knowing that they can get that player in that price window and get control of that player as well. Would have been a nice thing for Pittsburgh, but they don't have like any second round or third round picks. And I don't think Jensen's quite the first round pick value. Um, Yeah. Yeah, So they, I don't think they, that was a fit. It it would have been a fit on the roster, just not to acquire. Um, So Washington's better. Blue Jackets are better. Tampa would be a hellish first round. 
I don't know what to make of the Islanders, honestly. I don't think they're as good as being in first place, uh, but they're on one of those Vegas Golden Knight things from last year. You throw your hands up and you're like, well, it doesn't make sense, but... So they've 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 tandemed their goaltenders for the year. Yeah, they're both right? great. So the argument there is, at what point in a playoff series do you switch? Ooh. If a goalie has a bad game, do you just go through your normal process and just go to the next one, or do you go back to the guy who'd been? Do you know what I mean? Like this is always the question I have. It was the question they had in against Ottawa when with Fleury. Do you know what I mean? When do you go to Matt Murray? I think Matt Murray was the clear coming off great playoff the year before, great season. (coughs) They don't have that here, do they? No, it's really split. Like, that's a tough one. I think they'll probably go with Laner. It it feels to me like that would be where I would go as well, but I haven't watched enough of their games. The story he's got is fantastic, but you don't... You don't make those decisions in a game five, six, and seven, do you? Like, based on the great story. But he's, it feels like he's their guy. Um, so I suppose, yeah. that's all. It's the, it's the one negative of having a tandem as opposed to having a clear number one, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's a blessing and a curse. Yeah. Charlie Coyle finally moved. Yep. Um, After so... how many years? Right? So the Bruins uh, much needed uh, depth, whether it be center or wing. The Donato kid, I don't know if I should be calling him a kid. He's like 24, 25. He's one of those college players. So he's a little bit older. Um, Obviously, the Bruins feel like their windows now with Chara, Bergeron, Marchand, uh, all in their 30s. Well, Chara might be in his 40s. But and he's 65, he's freaking amazing. So you can't really fault him for um, punting on a prospect to, to get a, a more established guy. Um, I don't know if it'll be enough given Tampa and Toronto. That's a really, that really sucks for them. <laughs> Boston would feel pretty good with Toronto, though. They've had the wood on them, right? So if you're Boston, you'd be going... You can't obviously dismiss um, Toronto, but you would be going, we've had this team, you know, we've had this team mentally for the last couple of years now. Let's just worry about what we yeah, think but they got, beat Tampa. They got Muzzin. That really helps. Um, if Mike Babcock could ever get his head out of his ass and start playing Muzzin more than Ron Hainsey and Zaitsev, you know. That but would... that's not going to happen. That quite clearly is not going to happen. It is one of those things. He has bought into everybody else saying he is the best coach in the league. So why would he think he would do anything differently? And we, like, you're right, we've discussed this before as well. It's it's the same sort of argument um, that we've had before with him. But if I was Boston, I'd be worried about Tampa. And Tampa sort of destroys everybody in the East. Let's go for it this year. Oh, well, shit, Tampa is substantially better than everybody else. Do we waste the assets on this year? It's and tough because yes. your windows are your windows. It just sucks yeah, when correct. there's another team with a really good window. Yeah. I mean, that that eyes have been constructed team's fantastic, and Breezewire's done a great job of, of, of keeping that team rolling. 
Um, but you can't really blame Boston for doing it, can you? No. Um, and it's not a huge high cost. And Coil's not a rental, so... No, they do have control for a couple more years, so that that is um, that is good too. Um, he always sort of seemed on the outer in Mini. Yeah. Like, he never, never quite produced what they expected, and it drove... Boudreaux nuts that he never did quite produce what was expected. Well, Minnesota's making a lot of weird moves recently, so good luck trying to figure that out. Yeah. Need a rider for, what was it, Rask? I have no idea what it was, but that was was great for Carolina. (laughs) Yeah, brutal trade for Minnesota. Uh, The really banking on Donato. Um, So we'll see where it goes from there. But uh, speaking of Tampa, I saw some... Andy Strickland was talking about how Tampa has a lot of interest in Ristolainen, how that's not, like, he's, that doesn't seem to be going away from what he's hearing. And that one is so strange to me because I would feel like a team like Tampa with Brisebois would look at the numbers that would paint Ristolainen in a bad light. You'd look for the dark shade rather than the light shade and go, this doesn't fit what we want. And the money, five mil. Yeah, that's a lot yeah. for like. It'll be, he'd a, be a project, and he'd be a third pairing defenseman who is not great at five on five. You need to, you need to shelter the guy, and he's not going to get power play time to produce points. So that one was weird, and I don't even know what Buffalo would be looking for back. Callahan. Well, no, I, I do think that would be part of it. Is this? Bringing him home to Western New York. Only one more year. Buffalo could eat the cap hit for that. It would be part of the salary dump. It'd have to because of where they are on the cap, wouldn't it? I mean, Tyler Johnson, maybe? Someone said something. Two first-rounders, uh, middle stat, Ristolainen for point, and Callahan. And I just don't see the Lightning even entertaining a point trade that just makes no sense yeah. to me. Yeah. No, I don't. Yeah, I can't see the point. In, sorry. <laughs> I can't see the reason that you would th- uh, think of doing something like that. So I don't know what the fit would be. I guess Tyler Johnson would be like they want a second line center. Um, but yeah, I I think I'd if I'm if I'm the Sabers, I want to maybe do a wrist aligning trade with some of these other teams that might look at the size, the grit and the, the box, uh, car stats, like the points. Yeah. Not how they, he gets the points, but just that they're there and, and look for value that way. But that, that was a rumor that (coughs) I read like an hour or so before we started recording today. So I don't, I don't know the validity of that, but since we were talking about Tampa, I thought I'd throw it in there. Um, you know, I saw on TSN's trade bait list, Huberto on there, and that's strange. That would be where I would look for a Ristolainen trade with Dale Talon, maybe getting a Huberto back. Um, I, what, like, why is he on the, I don't understand why he's on the market. I don't know. Does it matter? Okay. Well, it's Florida, isn't it? So, you know, they're. Probably already, I think I was reading they're looking to move Mike Matheson. It's almost like a depth defenseman you give 39 mil to. Not a great idea. No. Um, 
like the like you've read or, or I've read all the way through the year that Bob and Panarin, that's where they want to go. They want to go to Florida. That's where they want to be, and they're going to go down there and sign together, right? So you've got to clear cap space to fit him in. Well, they Florida don't, but they do. Space. Yeah, but you know how that goes. They got that artificial yeah no, I, ceiling. I I I get that half of it, but Huberto, like, I just yeah. Try and rip him off. Somebody needs to try and rip him off. It's the the best you can do, I suppose. So, you know, and just... Hoffman as well. Like, you, you do wonder what's going on down in Florida. Yeah, Hoffman's still still doing his thing. So Florida is definitely a strange, um, strange situation. It has been since the computer boys got uh, dusted. I from... thought it would be I thought it would be a great place to want to go and play. Warm, tax free. I don't. It works for Tampa. Tampa seemed to have no trouble getting guys to take a little bit less and be a collective yeah, but they're team good. together. No, no, I know, but they weren't at one stage. Did you know what I mean? Like, I know it takes a GM to build something up, but... Their farm mm. system's been great. Syracuse has been one of the best going for a long time. You get a Stamkos in there. You draft a Kucherov. It, um... They've it really helps. built from the ground up, so... Whereas Florida doesn't ever seem to stick with a plan for more than a few years in a row. Yeah, do you reckon that's owner-driven? Well, they've... You know, owner-driven, multiple different GMs-driven. Well, that, that's that's what I mean. The ownership gets there and goes, well, I've had enough of this plan because it's not working. They're only two years into it. So the general manager gets changed. He comes in, puts in a new plan, drones for a couple of years. The needle doesn't shift like the ownership was told by the general manager it would. They change again. So you think about how, like you said, Syracuse is great for Tampa and everything sort of has to build up from that to come into the NHL. If your farm system is being drafted a particular way to build into something further up, by the time those players get in, what the team is at the NHL level is completely different to what those players are supposed to be fitting into. So, it, yeah, and you're right. The thing it's... is, Tampa has never been shy of the smallish players putting up offense. No, that's true. And they you're not found a get market. That from, yeah. market um, Inefficiency Deficiency. compared to yeah. other teams. Point Johnson, uh, you know, there's probably a few others um, involved there. Uh, but you have to think, even when they got their high-end picks, Stamkos, Hedman, like they nailed them. That's not necessarily always. That there is obviously a little bit of luck in that because they were. Hedman was a number two pick. Asked asked the Sabers if they'd rather have Reinhardt or Hedman. No, no, I, I you get know what that. I mean. It's just yeah, there you know, are some for drafts, all we though. shit on Edmonton, you know, nail Yakupov. Come on, like that, that was that the sucks. draft. That was the draft I was going to go to. There are times where there's one no consensus number one draft pick, and you are scrambling around trying to come up with a number one draft pick, and if it doesn't pan out, you rightfully get panned for that. And there are just some drafts where the top player in that draft is not like Nugent Hopkins, for example. He's not an out-and-out superstar. You need the number one draft pick 
to be an out-and-out superstar to change the direction of your franchise. And if you get it wrong by taking the wrong person at number one, i.e. Reinhardt Hedman, that's where you, you, you can really set your franchise back. Yeah. So, um, let's see. What else is on our list here? Mark Stone. Yeah, what do you I, uh, we kind of neglected like the top, um, the top player. He's an awesome player. Um, Ottawa's going to need to ask for the moon. Time is not of the essence. They delayed this process longer than they should have. And um, you look at teams like Winnipeg, uh, Nashville, like the teams that really are a piece away. Um, but I don't know. It'll be interesting. I have no feel for where he's going. So this is a question for the offseason, I suppose, really. He's 26. He's theoretically out of his scoring prime. Is he a player that, and I, I don't think this is the case, is he a player that you get concerned that he might have one of those cliff drop-offs when he yeah. hits like that 29? Or is he going to be one of those ones that, I don't think this is the case, he'll be the gradual slow decline where you get value for money out of a $9 million contract for the next... You know, till he's 34 or something like that. I mean, he's he's on Ottawa with a very bad team, and he's great. So yeah, I would have and, less and, concerns there. Yeah, so it, it doesn't really matter for now if you're somebody who's pitching in to to go for it now, because you are literally not worrying about he, your inability to re-sign him. Only Ottawa would be worried because you could then ask for more back, like you were saying before. Yeah. Um. You know, we'll have answers to that on our next podcast. But I don't have, I do not have a good feel for where he's going. No, it's the one thing you hear all of the insiders say. He keeps it tightly locked down. So, um, I guess the only other thing I have is the Sharks are great. Their goaltending's last in the league. Um I watched them play Columbus yesterday. They they only gave up like 23 shots midway through the third, and they were down 4 nothing. Obviously, that's only one game, but they are dead last in the NHL. So it's not more. It's not just one game. It's an all the time thing. I heard they were thinking about Ryan Miller, who's been playing really well even at 38. But I would shift my attention to like Philly. What's Philly doing with Cam Talbot? Do you trust Cam Talbot though? I mean, he just. Edmonton will fucking <laughs> Well, ask Devin Dubnik. Um, oh, I don't know. Who's they got to do something. They cannot you, you, that, go that, status quo. Yeah. Well. No, you're right. And you've you've mentioned a couple of times about Jimmy Howard maybe trifling off over there as well. Uh, I don't know. They, they got him. Like, is Carlson going to be there longer? Like they they got to make hay. They're 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 the win now team. Yeah, absolutely. Having a great yeah. year, great possession team, uh, great star power, good depth. Um, they could really make things happen, especially being in the Pacific, not having to face Winnipeg and Nashville early. Um, so they got to do something with um, with the goaltending there. So yeah, you know, I was going to be silly with this so i'll say it anyway do you see if you can grab and this is this is why i say it's crazy 
Arkin Corey Schneider's finally got his body back together. Do you try and snaffle him away and have them retain half his salary for the next four years? No. You reckon it's just not going to... He, he's no. just not physically up to it, or you just think that's, the whole salary not, idea is just not That's not a gamble not I'd be. be willing to take. You might as well take a gamble on a rental. Well, then just take Kincaid. <laughs> no, but, like, I'd rather go Talbot, Howard, Miller. I don't want any part of that Schneider contract. Um, that was an obvious... Devils should have traded him two years ago situation. And now they're not looking so great with him. Which is too bad. He was a great goalie. Goaltending um, goal is such a challenge, isn't it? There's not there's not 31 starters in the league. He, That's the challenge. In his career arc, weird. Having to play behind Luongo and then finally gets it and they trade him and then he... Unfortunate that he's never really had good teams. I mean, Vancouver yeah. was good, but he wasn't the starter he wasn't the that he was. Weird, weird career, wasted uh, talent in my opinion. So, I don't know. I don't know where you go if you're if you're the Sharks. It, it's the one thing that sticks out this year is what's going on in net. It's the one thing that can totally torpedo an awesome team. Yeah, as the early. And I don't know where they go, though. Teens, the flurry, that three, four-year stretch. Yes, but that's... You you see what it can happen to a good team. Yeah. So... No, it's it's there. Yeah, I don't know know where you go. I I don't know where you pull someone out where you could go... Like, besides the options you rolled up with, I I can't see where it happens. But there's a few there. They, They could figure something out. Miller, I think, is the likely one. I think, if nothing else, they'll be able to pull that one off pretty easily. So, um, I don't know. Is there anything else on our list? No, 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 no. I think that'll, um, I think that'll do us for today. The post deadline might be a little longer. Yeah. So, <laughs> we're gonna try to do a midweek one um, after the deadline, hopefully. Uh, it'll be a fun deadline. There are pieces to be moved still, so it should be interesting. Um, so yeah, I think that'll uh, that'll be it for this week. So we got uh, Patreon.com/slash/HockeyHurts. We got uh, I've been trying to post uh, the podcast and such on the Facebook page. I'm glad you are. Yeah, um, and then uh, you know find us on Twitter, Apple iTunes reviews. That stuff is much appreciated so um enjoy the trade deadline and we'll see you in a few days see you guys see you